Broadcasting live from the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. This is Unnecessary Roughness. Caught at the 20. Racing near sideline 10. Turn to the 5. Touchdown Raiders. The crowd applauds because Las Vegas just win, baby. Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM. Here's your boy Q. As we're kicking off hour number three of the show, Unnecessary Roughness, Raider Nation Radio 920. Damon Cotney's in the Family Cadillac Performance Studio. I'm in the home studio, and my TV in the home studio reminded me right now that Serena Williams is about to be in action at the U.S. Open. Uh, that's getting underway in a matter of seconds, so I'll definitely be paying attention to that. Uh, this could be the last dance, the final ride for one Serena Williams and all her greatness in the world of tennis. Uh, so definitely going to be paying attention to that. But, of course, we're here to talk some Raider football and some NFL this hour. we got a lot coming up. we got Cover 3 NFL news and notes of the day coming up at 4.15 at 4.30. Amik Robertson, we caught up with him as well following the game on Friday. So you'll have an opportunity to hear that conversation. And then the great Jerry Robinson, Raider alum, as over 240 Raider alumni were in attendance on Friday at the final preseason game and, of course, throughout the course of the whole weekend. So Jerry Robinson, I call him my Canton, Ohio buddy, as uh, we were on the plane together headed to the Hall of Fame for the enshrinement of Cliff Branch. You'll hear from him in a matter of minutes. Uh, we got a text from uh, Gangster Raider at the Salmon Ash text line 69187, keyword R&R. Q, I say Amik Robertson doesn't make the cut, and I want to know who do you think deserves number 21. I say Nate Haas because I think he'll look vicious in number 21. And DJ Turner makes the squad. Keelan Cole gets cut. Again, that's from Gangster Raider. And uh, very convenient, Amik Robertson. That conversation will be coming up at 4.30. Uh, we got a chance to catch up with him in the locker room. And, you know, I don't know. If he doesn't make the roster, I don't know who would fit in 21 because now I'm used to I'm used to Nate Hobbs in the jersey he's in, right? I mean, you get used to guys in their jerseys already, so it's hard to see them switch. But uh, I don't know. I don't know who would, who would fit in that 21, but it was always nice to see a, a 21 out there uh, at the corner position, especially for the silver and black. And there's many great uh, Raider cornerbacks that rocked that number 21 and, of course, also rocked the number 24. So that's a good question, gang. So you're going to have to let me sit on that one for a minute. And uh, Keelan Cole, I can see him getting cut. He was playing very late in that preseason game on Friday, so I could totally see uh, him being cut. And DJ Turner, I'm still just kind of on the fence with. Don't know if he's going to make the squad or not, but he does have uh, the kick return ability, uh, you know, punt and kick return, so he could uh, carve out a role on special teams as well. Let's go out to the phone lines before we hear from Jerry Robinson. Talk to our good friend Bernard. Bernard, welcome to Unnecessary Roughness. What's on your mind, my man? Hey, thanks thanks for having me on. Yes, sir. Hey, just segue real quick about number 21, man. When you get a chance, when you talk to Mr. McClain again, I, I'm still baffled why it took Cliff Branch so long to get in the Hall of Fame. Uh, Lance Swan got in the Hall of Fame, I think he was inducted in 2001. Right. And if you just put their stats next together, put his stats next to um, Cliff Branch's, and you just, it, it, it's, no, it's no comparison. So I, I think there's some type of biases with, with the Raider players, man, for, for whatever, whatever reason that may be. Um, Sam Webb, man, he's sticking out to me, Q. Yeah. He looks really good, and I think uh, that's going to be at the expense of, of the Meek. It's just something about that dude. He got long arms. He got good size, and I think he has a chance to, uh, I think he has a chance to make the team. He's just sticking out. He played good the other day. He uh, created a fumble, I believe, in the game, the, uh, game before that. He had a few deflections. And um, one more thing I want to touch on with Clark. He doesn't throw a lot of interceptions, and they say he's safe with the ball. You know when they say, oh, you put it in tight spots, 
the quarterbacks that put those ball in tight spots, they got number one receivers. Carr really hasn't had that since Crabtree, Crabtree, and you brought that up. He was yeah. throwing the ball in the tight spots here because he trusted Crabtree. Yep. So he was throwing it. So you can just look at the, that uh, top 100 list and look at all the stuff that Devontae Adams did. Carr will not have any issues throwing the ball to him with a DB or whoever is, is next to him. So I'm just, I just can't wait to see the starters play, man. But, um, yeah. Yeah, ask Mr. McClain about that when you get a chance. And uh, Eric Allen, I think you said he's already on somebody's show, but, man, I love listening to that dude talk, man. Yeah. He, he's a sharp cat, and he played for Philadelphia. But, man, we, I, I don't know how as a Raider, but he played for some great teams. But, man, a lot of these players that played other teams, it's like they repped the Raiders harder than they repped the other teams. You know, Rod Woodson, Bill Romanowski. You think about Romanowski, you think about the Niners in Denver, he, he loved the Raiders. So. Yep. The yep. Raiders didn't get a hold of you, man. It's just something about it. <laughs> great show, man. Can't wait to September 11th. Big Thank- Thank you for the call, Bernard. I appreciate you. Yeah, Bill Romanowski, a guy I ran into on a Friday as well. Many members of the Silver and Black were uh, were in, in Allegiant Stadium on Friday, and uh, Romanowski is always one of my favorite guys to talk to. And I'll say this. We've had a really good run, Damon. We've had a really good run as far as guys that love the show name. Uh, Bill Romanowski, he's talked about unnecessary roughness multiple times. We had Steve Wisniewski last week talk about unnecessary roughness. Phil Villapiano again on Friday talked about uh, unnecessary roughness, and we actually started off the conversation talking about the show and he's like I just love the name of that show and so it was so funny so uh, there you go. I think we're on to something with that, uh, with that name, Unnecessary Roughness. Uh, all the players seem to like it a lot, so uh, there's that. But, yeah, you're right, uh, Bernard, when, when you become a member of the Silver and Black. And, you know, it's something that we hear all the time, and a lot of people think it's just uh, players saying whatever they're saying because they're getting a check from the team. But it's something different about when you all of a sudden are playing with the Raiders, man. At some point in a lot of these guys – you know, lives growing up, they wanted to be a member of the Raiders, especially, you know, some of the, the older cats because back then the Raiders were a really good team. So all they knew was winning. And so they, um, of course, I'm sure everybody wanted to be a part of that winning culture. And, of course, that went away for a long time. But Josh McDaniels, Dave Ziegler and company are hoping to get that rekindled and get back to that winning tradition that the Raiders had for so, so long that made so many people fans of the silver and black. But, you know, when you put that, that jersey on, that uniform on, it's just different, right? just look different it's just like it's just like clothes you know whenever you put on that raider starter shirt or whatever like or starter jacket it was always different than than another starter jacket it just it just it just looked different Demond. it just it just felt a little bit different i know you're a tennessee cat but you know you have to admit that there ain't that, that titan blue don't don't compare it to that that silver and black Okay, I was you. You ain't had to say nothing about the Titan Blue. I was willing to. <laughs> I was with you. I was, yeah, until you I went know. there. <laughs> but it, I will say this too, because you mentioned older players. Even a player like Devontae Adams, like those guys that are on the cusp of being thirty, yeah. when they were youngers, that Rich Gannon led teams. Those were right. the guys that were in their childhood. So, so even Devontae Adams, a guy that grew up in California, hey, the Raiders, he's mentioned it before. It hits different when he finally put the uniform on. Right. You got that clip of him and Derek Carr. It's like, hey, man, it's just different when you wear it because we all saw the screenshots of people online like this is what he would look like in yeah. a Raiders uniform. But seeing him in an actual Raiders uniform, yeah, it's special. Yeah, and look, I remember Jerry Rice was real uh, super excited about being a member of the Silver and Black, and I remember him having a sit-down conversation with Steve Young, and he said, man, I just look good in this uniform. Hell, you almost were in this uniform, too. Steve Young almost became a Raider quarterback. You know, imagine that. If they had had Steve Young, if the Raiders had found a way to acquire Steve Young, if the 49ers decided that they weren't going to move on from Joe Montana, Steve Young was coming across the bay. He was going to be in the Silver and Black. Could you imagine that? 
You know what this would have been? This would have been when the NBA vetoed that Chris Paul trade. I think it would have been <laughs> one of those. Overruled. It would have been like, yeah, man, the, you ever hear about that? Nope. You know why you never heard about it? Right. Never happened. Never happened. Got a couple more texts, and then we'll get to uh, my guy Jerry Robinson. I uh, got a text from Mailman Raider. Q, if you and DeMond had to pick an MVP of the Raiders preseason, who y'all got? Mailman Raider, that's a really good question. I hate to say a preseason MVP, but I think I would look at one of the running backs, probably Britton Brown. You know, I think Britton Brown has done a fantastic job. I actually heard someone call into the morning show, or maybe they texted into the morning show, the morning tailgate with Clay Baker, Heidi Fang, and Vinny Bonsignor, and said, isn't he just uh, the new Trey Regis or the new insert running back that does really well in the preseason and then amounts to any, nothing? And I don't think that Britton Brown is that guy. Britton Brown is a guy that was really productive in college, was really productive. And when we went through and we did all our, uh, all our draft uh, previews, you know, following all the draft picks that the Raiders had, and uh, we talked to a guy out of L.A. that covered Britton Brown at UCLA, he was like, man, this dude could play. Like, I mean, the Raiders got a really good one in the seventh round. He just had a, uh, some injury history uh, when he was at Duke and then uh, later transferred to UCLA. But, I mean, the guy averaged like six yards a carry. That's nothing to shake a stick at, man. That's, a, that's pretty impressive. On Friday, I mentioned Luke Masterson, and you said, get out of my head. I got to say the same thing to you because Britton Brown, mm-hmm. he would have been my pick, too, for a preseason MVP because he, was, he just looked so good out there on yep. the field. And we made the joke, yeah, yeah, maybe he could rush for 200 yards in that preseason game. His spot still w- wouldn't be secure on this Raiders roster just because how many running backs are on the staff. But mark my words, put the DeMond Cotton guarantee on it. Uh-oh. He's going to be on somebody's roster. When the season comes around, oh, I, I'm sure I'm sure you're right about that. And you know, he's made the decision that running back room decision. He's made it very difficult. You know, who do you keep? Got a lot of talented dudes. Who are you going to keep? You know, he he's made the conversation that he should be part of that, right? I mean, the one guy that we never saw anything from in the preseason, but I think that his position is fine is Brandon Bolden. You know, we never saw nothing from Brent, never saw nothing from Brandon Bolden. But again, he's you know very familiar with Josh McDaniel, so I don't think that you have to see anything from him, but. Man, Britton Brown, Zamir White, they look good. Of course, you know what Josh Jacobs brings to the table. He looks good. You know, you got uh, Jakob Johnson is going to be the fullback, so he looks good. You know, uh, Amir Abdullah, he looks like he's made the squad. Austin Walter, I think he's going to end up being a casualty. I think he's going to get released. And then what do you do with Britton Brown? If you try to put him on the practice squad, like DeMond said, there's most likely someone's probably going to pick him up. You can't put everybody on the practice squad, right? I mean, there's a lot of questions. And, you know, I would like to see – them put Britton Brown on the practice squad and find a way to stash him, you know, and, and hold on to him. Uh, if you put him on IR right now, he's out for the season. So that's not going to work. You know, there's, there's a lot of people that I've heard say, oh, yeah, Britton Brown suddenly is going to get injured and they're going to put him on IR and then bring him back. Well, if they put him on IR right now, they can't bring him back. So the only way they could do that and then bring him back at some point throughout the course of the season, he'd have to make the 53-man roster first. So I don't think that that's going to be the scenario, but I think that he's made a case for himself that he should be on this Raiders roster. So that should be uh, a, a really interesting breakdown when Dave Ziegler and company uh, get it down to 53 men. How, are the, how many are they going to keep as far as running backs in that room? Let's go out to the phone lines real quick, talk to our guy, Raider Tone. Welcome to the show. What's on your mind, my man? Hey, what's up, brother? Hey, man, hey, you, you, you're going to Inglewood to the first game. You're going you're gonna to fly or drive out there to the game? I was thinking about driving. I haven't made the final decision yet, but I was thinking about driving so I could just drive back and be under control of, you know, when I go and where I go. Yeah, I'll be up there. Hey, man, um, the, uh, the obvious, um, I don't think no one really stuck out on the O-line that really, really, that, like, oh, this is a keeper. So I think Derek's going to have to get to the line with about 15 seconds left. 
and, and do what he has to do in, in you know, quick releases or whatever we got to do. Um, the other thing is um, that kid Masterson, is that how you pronounce his name? Yeah. Yep. I don't know. I don't know his size, but I, I was oh, slightly impressed. I think that, you know, I'm, I'm not blown over. I'm not, I don't think he's the next LT, but um, I'm curious to see what they're, to me, that's the biggest Raiders to me is they're, what they're going to do to try to stop Travis Kelsey, those guys over the middle, they kill us when it's third and 11 and they get yeah. third and they get a 12 yard big. So that's my concern. Um, I don't think the Meek makes it tomorrow, man. Uh, I hate to say it. And, I, and like you said, I think Leatherwoods, they, 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 they're just going to, they're going to bite the bullet, man, and try to get him, get him some reps or something, man, and, and, uh, work on his game a little bit, man. But um, I'm going to see you in Inglewood, brother. All right, man. Hey, thanks for the call. Definitely appreciate you. See you on uh, September 11th, the first game of the regular season, the Raiders and the Chargers. And looking at Luke Masterson's size, he's 6'1", 234. And I'll tell you right now, man, all I've seen throughout the course of this preseason was 59 and 58 all over the field. And Masterson, to me, has stood out a little bit more than even Darian Butler. But those are two really good undrafted free agents. Again, remember that, undrafted free agents. You know, we talk about the Rams and how they pay everybody and they just go make trades for everybody and they give up all their first-round draft picks and their GM says blank those picks. You know why they're able to say that? Because they hit on their late-round picks and they hit on undrafted free agents. Luke Masterson, Darian Butler, both of those are, are good players. They both might make the team. I think one makes the team for sure. I'm putting my money on Masterson. But if both made the team, I would not be shocked. Could you imagine if Masterson ends up being a really good homegrown linebacker? You have him for four years on an undrafted free agent rookie deal? Think about that. You know what that allows you to do? Pay guys. Pay guys like a Darren Waller and others. Bring in Devontae Adams. Pay a guy like Hunter Renfro. Pay others to, to you know fill certain voids that you have. So that's just something to think about. But Masterson has really stood out to me as a hell of a player. Uh, again, if I had to pick an MVP for the preseason, I'd probably say Britton Brown. Uh, just because it seems like he was always in the end zone. But, you know, Masterson, I'd say, is the defense MVP. No doubt about it. Speaking of defense, how about Jerry Robinson, Raider alumni, one of 240-plus guys that was in attendance at Allegiant Stadium on Friday night. He's a guy that I've gotten very familiar with the past few weeks, and uh, I've enjoyed it. So here's that conversation that we had before the game with Jerry Robinson. We're here with Jerry Robinson. And, Jerry, we were just uh, in Canton, Ohio, for Cliff Branch being inducted into the Hall of Fame. Now you're here for the big alumni reunion, over 300 of you guys. What does this mean to you? You can blow my hair again, Jim. He's always blowing on something, man. Anyway, anyway. I got you. Uh, you know what? This is a very special moment here. Uh, there's no team in the NFL that treats their alumni the way that Mark Davis treats us. As a matter of fact, I don't think there's any sports league in the All-America that treat, that we get treated like this, man. It's a really special moment, man. You get a chance to see different generations, you know. Yeah. You know, the OGs, as we call them, man. <laughs> and then we got, you know, some younger guys and the ones who are in the middle. So this has been a very uh, exciting time to see the joy and, and the happiness on, on everybody's face. I mean, I was a bit here at the very first one, not here, it was in Napa in 2015. There was 50 guys, 51 guys. We have over 300 great alumni here. Why? Because they know that MD cares about us. Right. You know what I mean? And it's going to even grow from, from, from this to something even bigger. And it's... You know, when you play the game, you get out of the game, you know, it's good to know that you haven't been forgotten. Right. That's what it is. And, you know, Mark Davis, once a Raider, always a Raider. That's what this is all about, man. Because, you know what, in, 
in, in, in sports you win and you lose. Right. What we have here, man, we're all winners, and we'll never lose this. You know, you mentioned no other franchise does that. Is there any reason why no other franchise does that? Yeah, because they ain't the Raiders. Fair enough. (laughs) What about this year's team? Is there a different level of excitement you feel like with with all they did in the offseason and how they've looked thus far? You know, I look at it like this. The Raiders are in Las Vegas now, and and, and Mark Davis and the Raider organization, they went all in. Seems like they just went all in. We got new coaches, new general manager. We got Devontae Adams. We got Chandler Jones. We got other people that are coming in here. And they're all in. They're all in because it's going to be exciting. It's a different system, and I can't wait to see how these young ball players react to it. Speaking of Las Vegas, I remember you were a proponent even when this was first being discussed, and this was all just, you know, uh, not, nothing was really set in stone yet. You said Las Vegas would be a great place. This would work out. How have you seen that manifest itself in, in three years? Why is this a good home for the Raiders? I, I, I tell you what, that, that the last game they played against uh, was the San Diego to get into the playoffs. Yeah, man, yeah, yeah. The Raiders are taking little steps to get where they need to be. You know, it doesn't matter how you get there as long as you get there. It doesn't matter how many steps you got to take and last year man it was just it was exciting the way we were able to get into the playoff situation and now we have new some new talent we have new coaching staff everything is different right now and i'm excited and we are as alumni to see what, what coach daniels does with this with the talent that he has and the mindset that he has to be able to put them in the best position that they can be in to win games so you know you we've said that there's over 300 of you guys here celebrating right so who talks the most trash who tells the most stories maybe lies well, but who tells the most stories the best stories are, are told by the ones that were that, that were in the 60s and the 70s okay i mean because those are stories you can't print in a book right right and you can't really share with anybody except with another brother of yours yeah uh they're, they're good stories they really are but you know what the mixture here man is just it's just phenomenal everybody's getting along with everybody even though all we don't everybody don't know everybody mm-hmm. that's okay man we all got one thing in common that's silver and black. Right, right, right. And that was on display in Canton, Ohio. We talked a long time in Canton, but to have a hotel rented out all in, in, in love for Cliff Branch and have yeah. all you guys there, how, how massive was that? That was emotional for me. Yeah. For me, because I, you know, I grew up watching Cliff, and Cliff became a friend of mine. We lived in Santa Rosa together. And when I got there and saw what was going on, uh, you know, the floodgates opened up, and I don't mind telling people that because yeah. when you love somebody, you got to express that. Right. And when Mark's, Mark's love for Cliff was on display in Canton, Everything you were there, you seen yeah. it. I mean, elevator doors. I mean, I was in the bathroom drying my eyes off from the tears from everything else. And I looked up in the mirror, and there was Cliff behind me. There was a picture Cliff in the bathroom. I said, "Damn, Cliff's everywhere." Yeah, but that right there, that was really special. And you know, Mark Davis, he's, he he when he says once a Raider, always a Raider. That's what he means, man. I mean. Just look at the amount of guys yeah. that have signed up to come here for this. Started from 50 guys in 19, in 2015 to what it is today. It's awesome. Is there any guys that you look at and you say, man, I wanted to meet them. I hadn't met them before and I meet them now. Yeah, especially you know some of the older guys. Yeah. When I grew up there, you right. know. But I, I but I met most of them, man. I just love, you know, hanging around, you know, Freddie, yeah, you know, yeah. and Phil Villapiano, Art Toms. And just those guys were in Santa Rosa when I was there, yeah. you know, and, and Banizak and, 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 and just 
Henry Lawrence. It's just, it's just, you know what? It's a family here. It right. really is. I, I can't say it any. I don't know how to put it in, in words any better. But family is what it's all about, right? And it's a genuine love for everybody that's here, man. And we all care about each other. Before I let you go, you mentioned Santa Rosa. Were you in those uh, air hockey tournaments with uh, Villapiano? Were you? Around? No, I was a kid watching. I wasn't old enough. Okay. To, I wasn't old enough. But, but you know about the stories of well, the air I, hockey well, tournaments. When I became a Raider, they really, we had air hockey, pass a picture. You know, we had yeah. a couple of different tournaments. Before. Okay. Yeah, but no, they're they're legendary. They're legendary yeah. tournaments. But that's what makes camaraderie, man. That's what that's why this team is willing to do whatever. We're all willing to do whatever we need to do to protect each other right now to this day. That's awesome. Well, it's all good right. to see you again, my man. All right. There he goes, Jerry Robinson. Good times, always catching up with him. And I'll tell you, man, that's going to be the homeboy, man. Everyone's going to think that me and Jerry are just hanging out all the time. There goes Q and Jerry again, always together. But a uh, fun dude, man, and, and always uh, has no problem spending a few minutes and, and, and you know, telling you some stories or whatever. And uh, obviously a, a very proud member of the Raider alumni. And I'll tell you, from the, the flight over to Canton, Ohio, to, you know, being there at the enshrinement for the Hall of Fame and to even Friday night. Just all the conversations I've had with him, man, such a genuine dude, and it's been such a pleasure to be able to get to know him and talk to him personally one-on-one -on -one like you just heard right there. So that was Jerry Robinson. The time is 421. When we come back, we'll have a brief cover three, a few NFL news and notes of the day, and then you'll also hear from Amik Robertson in the locker room following the game on Friday against the Patriots. This is Raider Nation Radio 920. It's time for Q's Cover 3, NFL news and notes of the day, here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Before I get into that, uh, Serena Williams is taking center court right now at the U.S. Open, so everything is about to get underway, so I'm uh, very excited about that. But I did want to get to a couple little nuggets here, a little NFL news and notes, and then we'll get to uh, Raider 562, and we'll also hit Amik Robertson following the game on Friday against the Patriots. Denzel Mims, a wide receiver out of, the, uh, out of New York with the Jets, he asked for a trade on Friday, said that he's basically done everything he can. His agent came out and asked for a trade, and then Denzel went and had a big game on Sunday. don't know if you saw it, but it was basically the preseason final game of the year. Uh, he had seven out of eight uh, targets. He caught seven passes for 102 yards and had a touchdown. Uh, he said he was hungry. He pointed at his wrist and basically just pointed at a watch and basically say it's time. It's time to get him up out of there. So I don't know where Denzel Mims is going to end up. He's a guy that obviously I've been following for a long time as he was a pretty good player for Baylor. I thought that they were going to have uh, an opportunity. He was going to get an opportunity to get traded to the Carolina Panthers, but that did not happen because earlier today, LaVishka Chenault was traded from the Jags to the Panthers. So looks like he's that next playmaker that Matt Rule and company want to bring in, and maybe not Denzel Mims, but he's a guy that wants out of uh, New York and put a pretty good showing out there yesterday of showing what he could basically do against the G-Man. Uh, unfortunate story coming out of D.C., running back Brian Robertson uh, was shot in a carjacking, and uh, apparently Ron Rivera said he's in a really good place after being the victim last night of an attempted robbery. Uh, he's based, he was released from the hospital today. He put out, I believe, on Instagram that he's doing okay, and not exactly in those words, but he said he was doing okay. Uh, he was shot in the glute in the lower leg. Both uh, injuries were non-life-threatening. And obviously football is not most important, but uh, as Ian Rappaport said, since we cover football, Robinson has not been ruled out playing at some point this season. So there's that. But, man, it's just it's awful when you hear news about that. I mean, a carjacking dude gets shot uh, twice and ends up in the hospital. And, of course, that's just – that's just not what it's it's not what it's all about. But man, there's there's just so much of that going on. It's, you just got to be careful when you're out there. Yeah, especially when you see when this happens in the news, and your first thought is, "Hey, what was he involved in?" And it, you hate right. to say that, but yep. with players, sometimes you just want to say, "Oh man, what's his background?" Like, didn't you just see? Hey, 
a carjacking. It right. can happen to anybody. It can happen to anybody on the street. And you just feel bad for anybody that it, this would happen to in that situation. But getting shot, and then I saw a tweet where it was like, hey, thankfully, it's just that because it could have been worse. Oh, it could have been way worse. I mean, it really could have been. But, uh, again, like you said, you know, you always wonder, like, okay, well, what was going on? But, I mean, the simple truth is uh, you can get carjacked at any time. I mean, you could, uh, for any of us. Any of us. I mean, that goes from uh, you, me, any normal cat, man. If someone decides they want your want your car, as much as I love my car, my dad told me a long time ago, man, if someone ever comes and tells you get up out your car, just get up out your car. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's just it ain't worth it. So uh, as much as I want to hold on to my car and I'd probably be a little upset, um, I'd be a lot more upset if I took some bullets. Uh, so I'm not going to do that. And uh, it's just unfortunate, man, that that's, uh, you know, something that we have to talk about and bring up. But that's what happened with Brian Robinson in the D.C. area. Uh, the Dolphins, they signed Trey Flowers. Uh, he was a former Lions pass rusher. They gave him a one-year deal worth $2.1 million with a chance to get $3 million in incentives. So uh, he's going to go to Miami and be a part of that pass rush. We'll see how that shakes out. But they had him in for a visit late last week and ultimately signed him to a deal. Earlier today, we found out that Jimmy Garoppolo uh, got a restructured contract with the 49ers, so he's going to be with them in 2022. He has a no-trade clause. Uh, he, he cannot get franchise tagged after the season either, so he has an opportunity to stay in San Francisco all year long, and then afterwards he could walk in free agency, and he most likely will. So I think San Francisco did a smart thing by uh, restructuring Jimmy G and keeping him around because that ultimately, I think, is the best thing for them. Uh, how about this? This is a Raider-related. The Titans waived former Raider safety Tyree Gillespie. You remember he just was traded uh, there, what, a week and a half ago, maybe two weeks ago, and they, they gave up a seventh-round conditional draft pick. Well, since the Titans have waived safety Tyree Gillespie, uh, that basically means that there was no trade. That means that the Raiders don't get a conditional seventh-round pick. Uh, they get nothing. So it's almost like the Raiders released him. So Tyree Gillespie, once again, is out on the open market and maybe see if somebody will pick him up. But now it doesn't matter because he's no longer a member of the Silver and Black. He's no, not part of a trade. He's just out there and about. So there you go. Tyree Gillespie didn't think he was going to be the answer in Tennessee, and obviously Tennessee didn't think he was going to be the answer in Tennessee. Uh, one more quick note for you. A former University of Nevada quarterback got released today, Carson Strong. He was the guy that had a $320,000 in guarantees as an undrafted free agent uh, with the Eagles, and they uh, decided to move on from him, so he gets released. Uh, he has questions about his health. That was probably the biggest thing about him coming out of college. He has a strong arm. We all know that, but everything has been about the health, his legs, all that good stuff, his knees, and uh, obviously Philadelphia found that he was not the guy for them, so Carson Strong has been released by the Philadelphia Eagles. So that's what I got for you for Cover 3 NFL News and Notes of the Day. Now I want you to hear from Ryan Clark. He was on NFL Live. He's going to join the show at some point, but he's been hosting NFL Live lately, so uh, I haven't had a chance to get him on. And every time we reach out, he's like, man, I'm doing NFL Live today. But we will get him on at some point to talk about him and, uh, and, and Fred Taylor having that conversation with Devontae Adams on the Pivot Podcast. Really good stuff. But uh, here's Ryan Clark on uh, NFL Live talking about the Raiders' offense and what it's going to take for other teams to stop this uh, Raiders' offense. Well, I think one thing is that churches are open during the week, right? You don't necessarily have to wait till Sunday until chapel to start praying. And so I think I think that's the first thing. Now, on the other side of it is it's almost like pick your poison. The one thing Josh McDaniels has been credited for doing throughout his career in New England is morphing week to week 
to find the best matchup, to find the best possible way to attack their opponent. And I believe you'll see that this year. When Hunter Renfro has a one-on-one -on -one and the field is spread out, he's going to work inside the number. When Darren Waller, Darren Waller gets to play the number one, you're going to figure out, is this a corner that's matching him? Is it a safety? And any Devontae Adams matchup is a mismatch unless it's two of them. And so when you look at these things and you think about Derek Carr, and here's what I'm going to say. I was talking to the head of their PR, and he spoke about how much respect Derek Carr gained in the building last year wow. for the way that he led and for the way that he carried this team to the playoffs. People look at Derek Carr like he doesn't have talent, right? When, when you watch, when you watch a really good quarterback in the NFL, if there's no rush on him, footballs do not hit the ground. Now, you might make a play or somebody might drop the ball. It's going to be where it's supposed to be every play. And I got to watch Derek Carr practice, and I was like, yep, that's what it's supposed to look like. This dude is a top 10 talent. Now he has these players around him along with Josh McDaniels. I agree with Tim. How long it takes to understand and master the offense is important, but when they do, they're going to be trouble and they're going to be difficult to stop. There you go right there. Ryan Clark on NFL Live talking about uh, the Raiders offense, and you hear him with glowing remarks to Derek Carr and what he has around him as far as weapons and what he thinks that this Raiders offense could do and how you slow them down. And I think, honestly, that this is going to be – they're going to be a juggernaut to be dealt with. I mean, their offense is going to be on fire. I really do. If they can figure out – again, if they can figure out that offensive line and get everything as tight as possible – I'm not saying it's got to be elite offensive line play, but if they can get it to a point where it's good – then this Raiders offense has a chance to be really good. And I think the defense has a chance to be good enough to create some turnovers, get some good stops in the red zone, and, and really complement that offense. I mean, I, I hate to sound, you know, like I'm all in on this team going 11 and 12 wins, whatever this season, but it feels like a team that makes sense to win 11 games, right? It really does. You win 11 games, I believe you're in the playoffs, especially in this division this year when the division is going to be a really tough out. So uh, there you go, Ryan Clark talking about the Raiders' offense. Let's go out to the Raider Nation listener line real quick. Got a couple quick calls we'll get to. Raider 562, welcome to the show. What's on your mind, my man? Hey, how's it going, Q? Good, man, good. Uh, really appreciate your lovely show. Um, I, I think I, I love the direction that we had it. You know what I mean? I, I'm hopeful for this season. Uh, I think we can be that that type of team that it, at least 11, you know what I mean, 12 wins, you know what I mean, just just from the upgrades that we've had and play calling. If you think back to last year, uh, you know, play calling came uh, into the picture really so much in that uh, Bengals game, mm -hmm. you know. And um, also, I don't know if it's ever been talked about, and I know you guys were talking about it earlier, kind of touching on it, but uh, I think we should have our own type of hall or hall of fame or something where the Raiders that haven't been honored or whoever you want to put in there, we could put that in and Raider, uh, Raider greats and stuff like that, and we all can visit and have it out here in Vegas or something like that. What do you think about that? Hey, good call, my man. Definitely appreciate you. And yeah, I mean, they have the, you know, they have the Wall of Fame at Allegiant Stadium. I can see them doing something like that. You know, a lot of teams have their Ring of Honor. Uh, I can see the Raiders doing something like that. But uh, all in all, man, some of these greats, like a Lester Hayes, should be in the Hall. He should be in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. You know, uh, guys like Cliff Branch shouldn't have taken so long to get into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Kenny Stabler. 
Pro Football Hall of Fame. Took too long to get there. Jim Plunkett, great argument to have him in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Tom Flores took way too long to get into I mean, you get the point, right? I mean, the list goes on and on. And still, when you think back, and this is something John McClain, and we'll talk to him tomorrow at 3 o'clock, he's brought up multiple times. Once Cliff Branch got in, do you realize how many people from those Raider teams are in the hall? Like seven or eight guys just from one squad. Right, that's how good that Raiders team was. And, you know, we had the caller earlier talk about Lynn Swan. You know how many guys from those Pittsburgh Steelers teams were in there? A lot. And that's because they were winning. Those two organizations, the Steelers and the Raiders, were two of the winningest organizations in that era. So it's it's like you damn near put the whole the whole teams, you know, all the teams in the in, into the hall. And some are questionable, and of course with Pittsburgh, they always get the slant, man. You got to realize and not not you Raider 562, but you got to realize Pittsburgh is what a quick hop, skip, and a jump away from Canton, Ohio. So they're always going to get a little bit extra burn. They're going to get a little bit extra love, you know, and I'm not saying that that's right, but that's just how it ends up going. I mean, it's just it's almost like if you play for the Steelers at one point that you have an appointment in, uh, in Canton, Ohio, to, to go to the Hall of Fame. So uh, thank you so much for that call, my man. I appreciate you. Let's take one more quick call, and then we'll take a break. Gangster Raider, welcome to the show. What's on your mind, my man? You know, I just want to talk about the offense and the defense coming together, though I think it's going to be the perfect storm because I know you think I'm crazy when I first said we were going to average 31 points when I first started calling in, and we almost averaged 31 points. I think we're going to get to 38 points this year. I think we're going to hold teams to at least um, 17 points or less a game this year. And I really believe once we get past the Tennessee game, because the Tennessee game is the only game I'm really worried about, I really believe we're going to go undefeated. You know what I'm saying? I know you think I'm crazy, you know what I'm saying? But just mark what I said, and we're going to be in for a glorious season. You know what I'm saying? And also, the first two games, you know, we got the rematch against the Chargers. You know, we're going to take their heart again the first game. But then the second game is at home against the Cardinals, who we got Chandler Jones from. You know what I'm saying? And then after that, we got Tennessee. Last time he played Tennessee, he had five sacks. So I'm just waiting for a glorious season. I really believe we're going undefeated. That's all I wanted to say. Y'all can call me crazy, call me what y'all want, but when it happened, I want my credit. All right, keep it gangster, y'all, as you were. Nice doubt. No, no doubt. I mean, no doubt. And, yeah, hey, look, man, I'm not mad. You know, I don't, I don't believe that anyone's going undefeated, but that's just me. And if, that's, if it happens, hey, that's great. That's fantastic. I do think, to your point and your credit, I think that the defense is going to complement the offense and do some really good things. And I don't know how many points they're going to give up a game, but if, if the preseason has anything to do with what happens in the regular season, and I know that's a stretch, again, I said at the beginning of the show, the red zone defense – looks like it's going to be good enough to be able to stop teams from scoring touchdowns and have to kick a few field goals a game, and that could be the difference. That could be how you defeat Kansas City twice a season. It's stop them from getting in the end zone as many times as they get in the end zone. Force them to kick a field goal a couple times. Like Fabian says, minus four, put that on the other team. Make them get that minus four a couple times on the other team. If you do that, you're going to win a lot of games, and look, Throughout the preseason, man, there were so many times where the opposing team was down within the three-yard line, four-yard line, two-yard line, and didn't punch it in and had to settle for field goals, something that Raider Nation, you're too familiar with because you saw the Raiders do that so many times last season. Now, the Raiders have had that, had that a couple times this, post, this uh, preseason as well. I thought on Friday they got right down there in the red zone. I thought they should have thrown it into the end zone. They didn't on their first drive. They settled for a field goal, moved the ball great between the 20s, and had to settle for a field goal. I was a little disappointed in that. I thought that you'd see Stidham throw it in the end zone, but uh, ultimately they ended up winning that game, what, 23-6? to So, uh, yeah, they're, they're, they're on to something. 
You know, now they got to execute it in the regular season. There's a big difference between the preseason and the regular season, but I do think that they're onto something. And like I like to say, they're cooking with grease. Thank you for that call, gangster. Do appreciate you. 439 is the time. We'll take a quick break. Come on back here from Amik Robertson, who we caught up to in the locker room following the game on Friday. This is Raider Nation Radio 920. Now back to Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q. Right now, Serena Williams is up 2-0 in the first round. First set in the U.S. Open. She got that look in her face. She got that look like I am not to be blanked with, if you know what I mean. (laughs) I am not to be blanked with. I am Serena blank blank Williams. That's how uh, she looks right now. Again, up 2-0 first round. Probably the last hurrah for uh, one Serena Williams, but I am all here for it. No doubt about it. Excited about what she can do. But I'm also excited about what we got going on here on the show today. And, man, Damon, we've been fast and furious. I've had so much to get to on today's show. And this is how I like it, man. Just just boom, boom, boom. Keep it going fast-paced. That's what we do. Well, we had an opportunity following the game on Friday night to catch it to Amik Robertson, a guy that I definitely believe is on the roster bubble, a guy that I would not be shocked tomorrow if we hear is one of the – the cuts, one of the guys who just didn't make it and didn't become one of the final 53. But one thing I know about Amik is he left everything out there on the field on Friday night. So Vinny Bonsignor and myself had an opportunity to catch up with him following the game in the locker room. Here's that conversation. How'd you feel it went for you uh, in camp and what's the next couple of days going to be like? Uh, I think it went well for me. You know, I was able to uh, be versatile, play corner and nickel. You know, that's what they wanted. Being able to uh, contribute on special teams. Uh, I think I did well at that. So um, overall, you know, I just left it all out on the, on the uh, field. You know, whatever they do, I mean, whatever happens, you know, I'm, I understand. You know, I left it all out there. You know, I did. I do whatever. I controlled my my outcome. So whatever happens, you know, I just put it in guys' hands. Did you come out with a little bit extra edge today? It seemed like you were a little bit more pumped up today. Definitely, definitely, especially you know, playing home. You know, just trying to give the fans what they want, and most importantly, man, go out there and have fun. You know, I love the game of football. You know, I just wanted to go out there and have fun. Um, this was a long week for you guys. Uh, a lot of work that you guys put in against yeah. the Patriots, and you guys played a lot of football um, on a condensed roster tonight. Um, mm-hmm. How do you feel like you capped this week off uh, tonight? You asked, how, did I, how do I feel about yeah, this? Just the way you capped this whole week off. I think it was, you know, most importantly, every time you leave with a win, is always a great feeling. You know, we're going to watch film, fix, fix some mistakes, and go from there. But most importantly, you know, we're just trying to get our rest, man, and focus on the. Uh, Focus on week week one. Feels what like what does it mean? I'm sorry. What does it mean when you go four zero in the preseason? I mean, we know that you can't take them into the regular season, but they're still wins, and yeah. I feel like they're they're momentum builders. Of course, you know it also gives you know the coaches confidence, you know, in the younger players. Uh, so overall, when you win in the preseason, it also shows what kind of uh, team that we have. So I think most definitely winning the preseason is definitely more momentum, not only for the players, but the coaches as well. Right. And along those lines, it seems what Patrick's trying to build and Josh is trying to build mm-hmm. efficient. You guys have one turn or one penalty, no turnovers. Yeah. You're playing clean football. Yeah. You know, yeah. you feel like that, that that's growing in this? Definitely. You know, we got a leader like Josh. You know, that's that's what he preach a lot. You know, whoever, whatever team have no turnovers. You know, we don't turn the ball over. We get turnovers and everybody just do their job, do the little things right. You know, that's, of course, you have to come out big. Victorious, you know, so that's that's what not only me, but everyone else kind of focus on doing the little things right and, and playing the game. 
you know, Patrick Graham has a versatile and a, and a kind of complex system, but it seems like you guys picked it up really yeah. quickly, almost like it, it's simplified for you guys because you guys are flying around. Yeah, definitely. You know, PG, you know, uh, he said he was going to be patient with us. And yeah. that's, what we, you know, that's, that's what he was doing, you know. So during camp, he was on a lot of players, you know, all us hard about learning the playbook. So uh, when you got a guy like that that's kind of kind of puts it in your head each and every day that, um, you know, guys have to get this. He's going to have patience with us, but we have to get it in. When you got a guy that trusts you and have patience with you, you have no choice but to adapt to the, to the playbook. And that's what, I, that's what it seemed like a lot of young guys, the older guys and the right. young guys did. When you look out there and number 89 is playing safety, yeah. <laughs> coming up with a pick, what was that? What Man, was that? It's, it's so crazy because they had me out there first, yeah, you know, right. at, at a safety. So, uh, you know, when you see the, you know, when you see the formations, you know, uh, Patrick Graham would teach us, watch the scenes. So, out there, you know, they just say, play the post, read the quarterback eyes. When he went, I, you know, when he took me out, I'm like, dang, you know, but it's all good. You know, I let, let him get his shine, man. You know, let him, let him, let him, you know, have a have a big play in the game. And when he came out there, you know, he caught a pick, and you know, I was, I, I ain't gonna lie, I was very happy for him. You know, well, he, it seemed like everybody was celebrating. Yeah, right definitely. Yeah. I was trying to be the first one down there, but some some of the teammates beat me. So, I mean, he, that, that was a great play by him. Man, I'm proud of him. I didn't know if that was punt coverage or what it was. Know, right? It was a great play. You know, it's a great play. Well, yeah. Josh said that you guys actually you walked him through yeah. it uh, yeah. yesterday, just to, just in case and. Yeah, after practice, that's what we wanted to do. You know, make sure he wasn't out there. Because at the end of the day, you know, we wanted to be here. We want we want a lot of guys here. You know, mm-hmm. so uh, we just want you know we didn't want him to go out there and kind of put bad stuff on film. Right. So he, you know, he went out there. The coaches coached him up. You know, and uh, and the players. You know, we was we was always in his corner. You know, we was happy for him. What does this team? What does this team mean for you? Raiders. Yeah. Being a Raider. Yeah. I mean. it's... You saw all the alumni it's a t- out there yeah, today. Yeah, I mean, definitely. It's, that, always you know? a good, it's, it's always a good feeling being a Raider, man. You know, talking to guys, just even talking to guys like Max Max Crosby. Yeah. You know, he's a definition of being, like, you know, showing what a Raider is. You know, so just playing for the team, man, for me, you know, it's a it's a blessing blessing for me, and I was glad to be a part of something, something special. There's a Meek Robertson right there, and, you know, I don't know, again, what the future holds for his his roster spot, I think he's a guy who's definitely on the bubble. I think he knows. I think it sounded – you can hear from what he had to say. He, he, he put it all out there on the field. You know, it's, it's all in, in the, the coaches and the front office's hands now, but he doesn't have any regrets because he knows he did everything that he possibly could. So uh, I'm, I, I, I can only respect a guy that, that gives everything he has. You know, and I think that for the most part – actually, I think I could say 100% confidently – there's not one dude in that locker room that wasn't busting their tail this, throughout training camp. I can say that. I don't think I saw anybody out there that wasn't giving 100% max effort. Now, some guys obviously were better than others. That's obvious. But as far as just max effort, and that's something that I talk about all the time, I don't care what it is in life you're doing. If you give max effort, I can live with the results. And I think that this coaching staff, for the most part, of course they want the elite and the best players, obviously, but you're not going to have 53 of the elites. You just won't. That's not realistic. But if you have guys that give you that max effort and they know what they're supposed to do and they just do their job, bad as that sounds, it is, you know, boring as that sounds, just do your job, just do your – yeah, we get it. If you have guys that do that and give you maximum effort and just want to go out there and compete, that, that's going to go a long way. What Amik said at the very beginning, they wanted me to play – corner they wanted me to play nickel they wanted me to be versatile that's what i did right i mean that's that's was that was his quote not mine he's saying hey what they wanted me to do i went out there and did and i'll tell you when i asked him if he went out there with a little bit extra edge i don't know if you saw it Raider nation but i saw it from a meek early in the game he was putting some hits on wide receivers he was breaking up a couple balls i mean he was he was out there playing like that potentially could be his last game 
And he didn't want to go out there with a bad taste in his mouth. He wanted to make sure he left it all on the field. And that's what he did to his credit. Yeah, just because last week when he did speak to the media in the press conference situation, he mentioned how in that first game, you know, he missed the first the preseason game prior yep. to that. So it was only his first experience to get out there and play with the team. And he's like, I got to be better the next game. He wants to be better the next game. You know, got to go out there and put it on film. And I think that he proved that in Friday's game. Yeah, like you no. said, I don't like we all been saying. Like I don't know if he's going to make the team either. I'm rooting for him. Love a Louisiana guy. Like man, those like, just makes everything sound a bit funny, even though he's not trying to be. Everything's like a little bit funny. Yeah, yeah. He, he always sounds like he's going to say something funny. I yeah. Do, yeah, he does do that. That's cool. But he's he's a cool dude. He's a cool dude. We've had a couple opportunities to talk to him in the locker room. Uh, he's always you know giving us his time, and I, and that doesn't mean that you're a cool dude just because you're giving us your time. But I mean, he he. He hears the criticism. He knows that he's on the bubble, but at the same time, he still has no problem saying, hey, this is what it's all about. This is what I'm trying to do, and this is where you know we're headed with this. And so, uh, yeah, we'll see what happens with Amik Robertson. Of course, uh, the, the 53-man roster comes out. has to be finalized by 1 o'clock tomorrow. Do you see, like, the parallels because we played Klee and Amik? These are two guys that, you know, still, you know, drafted in different spots. But the trajectory of, oh, is this guy on the team? Is he on the bubble? It's almost the same. So it's interesting to see it from a guy that, what was Amik, a fourth or a fifth round pick? Yeah, four, I think a fourth round pick. I'm and then you see the guy who's the fourth pick overall. Right. And just how, like, the conversation changes a little bit around, hey, is that guy going to make the team? Is his spot secure? I know that maybe Klee is a little bit more solidified on the defensive line because they need, they need him to be productive. Yeah, they need quarters they, too. Yeah, yeah you know? so it's just, it's just funny for me, like, as I'm trying to think about it. Right. That, hey, you got two guys – Drafted in different spots, but essentially both of them are, hey, man, the job's on the line this training camp. Right, and that's, again, going back to Jason and Maryland's text early in the show when we were talking about Alex Leatherwood, that's why we wanted to talk to Alex because I wanted to see – I wanted to hear to see what, you know, what, what he was feeling right now you know, and see where his head was at. And, again, he doesn't have to talk to us. And, you know, I know he's heard his name talked about a lot. I mean, I know he's seen people tweet about him. I, see, I know he's seen all the rumors, but – it's just it's different when you can ask a guy like, hey, how do you like Vinny asked, hey, what do you think the next 48 hours is going to be like? Like to ask a guy that, hey, you know, you, you, you finished the final preseason game. How do you think you did? How do you think training camp went? You know, where do you feel like you are right now? I, I like to hear those answers, you know, just because I'd like to hear where people are at. And I mean, the reality of this business when it comes to the NFL is it's not for long for a reason. It doesn't matter if you're a former first-round pick, second-round pick, or seventh-round pick. I mean, you could be in the league for a second and be gone. Or you could have a super long career. You just don't know. That's kind of what I wanted to hear from Alex Leatherwood. But obviously, that didn't happen. And, you know, again, not trying to, you know, just pile on the, the story that is. And, of course, it's going to sound like that. So there's really nothing I could do about that because we just, you know, it's, it's, it's a big story. It's a former number one, uh, you know, first-round pick, 17 overall, who potentially a year later after, uh, you know, being drafted – could be playing for someone else this upcoming year. And, look, I think he plays somewhere. I do think he's on a roster. I just don't know if it's going to be on the Raiders. And, you know, a, a clean slate, a new, uh, a new place, you know, a, a, a new spot to play might be what's best for him. And also something that Josh McDaniel said last week is, hey, when he said he, I'm at peace now, when yeah. you hear Klee and Amik, it's two guys that I'm not saying peace because that sounds like it's too big of a stance. But, hey, these are two guys that, hey, I know that what I put out there on film. I'm proud of it. Yeah. And if they keep me, they keep me. Right. Alex Leatherwood can't say the same thing. Right. No, and that's the thing about it, man. At some point, that's how you have to look at life. You know, hey, I'm proud of what I've done or I'm not proud of what I've done. Like Jermaine Illuminar said, hey, I wasn't proud of what I did. I knew that I blew opportunities, you know. 
Had an opportunity in Baltimore. I blew it. Had an opportunity in New England. Even had an opportunity last season with the Raiders and blew it. So I'm lucky that I got another opportunity. At some point, you either have to, what do they say, blank or get off the pot? I mean, you, you've got to, you know, put up or shut up. And so that's what it is. And that's what these players throughout the course of training camp, to me, they all did. They all went out there and put their best effort out there in an effort to make the, the squad and impress the new coaching staff and the new front office. And at the end of the day, man, that's all you can do. So uh, many thanks to Damon back in the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. Many thanks to Ed Graney and Ted DeWin who joined us live on the show. And, of course, we had plenty of locker room action and Raider alumni action. And we'll have a lot more of that. Um, again, we have plenty of alumni to get to that we'll have throughout the course of the week. Plus, we'll have John McClain and Lester and uh, – not Lester and uh, Lincoln Kennedy as well tomorrow afternoon. Appreciate you as always. Raider Nation Radio 920.